Here comes Big Pharma. How to stop big business from devouring the relatively new and small cannabis industry. Plus, will there ever be a pro-cannabis public safety announcement on the air? The final part of our interview with national lobbyist Becky Dansky of the Safe and Responsible Banking Alliance on In the Weeds with Jimmy Young next. Don't look now, but it's a whole new world of weed out there. Pot is flower, it's Bruce Banner and Blue Dream. You've got bongs and dabs, resin and shatter, vaping and edibles, new terms, new strains, and new ways to use cannabis sativa, the plant. Some just made with CBD, and hemp has minimal THC. There's sativa and indica strains and 100 chemicals, all legal in 10 states for adult use. There's a lot to get to know. Get used to it, folks, because it's legal in the Bay State and it's not going away. Neither is In the Weeds with Jimmy Young next. Revolutionary Clinics is just one of 49 medical cannabis dispensaries in Massachusetts, but there's a reason why it's one of the most popular. It's their patient-first philosophy. All day long, they teach, they educate, they communicate about this complicated plant called Cannabis Sativa. That's true. Whether you visit their Cambridge location in Fresh Pond at 110 Fawcett Street or at 67 Broadway in Somerville. Revolutionary Clinics, where the patient comes first. You and I... We bonded really quickly at the pa- afterwards. We talked about the absence of a public service campaign mm-hmm. about the positive aspects of the medicinal value of the cannabis sativa plant. I, you, you mentioned the numbers, you know, 90 percent, 80 percent. Pretty much everybody gets that. My goodness gracious, this product can can help with seizures. It can help with MS. It can help with chronic pain. It, mm-hmm. it can it decrease your inflammation. They get that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I just hope, but the rest of the country, again, is out there operating from a disadvantage, operating from 70 years of propaganda, mm-hmm. telling them it's a gateway drug, yeah. that it's, uh, you know, it'll cause whatever. I don't even want to go into any of the negatives of it because no. I think they're yeah. all bunk, to be honest. Yeah, they're, they're absolutely. All, and they've all been proven. By, Misinformation and, and campaigns. One more thing that I've learned, and I'm going to pass this on to yeah. you, and I bet you know this, Okay. <laughs> Everybody says we need research on this, and God knows, yes, we do. We, I love education. I think that, you know we need more and more of it anyway. But they, what I, what freaks me out is the fact that um, you can't, you can't create a public service announcement about this and and change the behavior of the public. They're basing all of their knowledge on lies. It's for. And for specifically a um, certain generation, mm-hmm. although what's interesting to see is that as states have legalized adult use, mm-hmm. uh, teen use does not go up. It stays about the same or in right. some cases goes down yep. uh, for people um, of my age. Yep. The use does not go up. People yeah. who are already using continue to use, but they just right. purchase it legally. Yeah. And, and the one the group, fact that you know where it's from, what it's going to do, exactly. and what it tests. That you know nobody got hurt in the making, right. that you know that it's a safe product, that mm-hmm. they have varieties, mm-hmm. um, that you don't have to meet someone who might expose you to more dangerous drugs, all of those things. And then right now I'm speaking in my personal capacity. Sarba does not actually I understand. Uh, have a position on legalization, but my previous employee at the Marijuana Policy Project and... Um, as a former patient and caregiver myself, uh, the there is uh, a lot of education that goes on in the states, but it's happening 
um, in kind of a piecemeal fashion as we do ballot measures. Right. There was a great campaign, I think it was either in Arizona or Nevada, where it said, kids, talk to your parents about marijuana. And the idea was, let's let... There are certain generations that understand. So I, start, I lost my point. The one group where we've seen an increase in use after legalization is actually seniors. Right. Um, and we have seen uh, there has been some some work done looking at why seniors are retiring to states that have legal, not just states that have medical, but states that have adult use marijuana because they yep. don't want to deal with getting a card. They don't want to deal with any of that. They just want to go in and try something and see. Right. I have a friend whose father is a doctor who had never used it before. He's retired to Seattle. She suggested it to him. He tried it. He took a vape pen home. He said it was the best night's sleep I've had in my life, and, and, and he's, he's sold now. Right. Um, and so it, the education is happening, and it's happening on such an individual basis. Right. And that's not no how mass. you move Congress. Right, but no masses, no well, public... It, you know, that, part, that's what bugs me. Well, well, part of the problem is, and this is, again, not in my capacity as Sarba, but as a former employee of MPP, yep. is that um, there, the funding isn't there. You have yep. several wonderful organizations doing incredible work on this. And either the people from the industry, there are some in the industry who are doing um, a great job in supporting that work, but there are, are a lot more who sit back and don't who say, I know these groups are going to fight to legalize it in my state, and once they do, I'm going to go in and make millions. Um, or I'm going to hire a lobbyist to advocate for what I want in the bill, what's good for my company. And I'm talking about the human frailties. Yeah, and, and, and this happens with... I, I've, I've never worked on an issue before where there was a corporate component to it. I've always worked on civil rights issues. And so for me, this is, that's one of the difficulties, and, and this is nonprofit work in general, mm -hmm. is getting the funds to do education, getting funds to do whatever you want with it, mm -hmm. um, it is unlikely. It's more likely that someone will say, I'm from this state. I want this state to change its laws. Here's money to do that. But on the whole, what we're seeing increasingly in D.C. is the big marijuana companies are hiring either firms mm -hmm. to represent them mm -hmm. um, or they're um, who either don't do much of anything besides cash a check mm -hmm. um, or they're hiring firms that are specifically going after what that business wants. Right. And um, and then at the same time, you have nonprofit organizations who have been doing this for over 20 years uh, doing it on extremely low budgets. Uh, and, and so that money has to go to the real work, um, you know, to pay for offices and staff and instead right. of millions of dollars into ads. And right. that's why you see some of the public education around ballot measures because that's when that kind of money is at play right. where you can spend a million dollars on commercials. Right. But right now, there, there isn't anybody who's running ads. And, and, of course, we run into some of the pitfalls with if you try to run an ad, yeah. <laughs> they won't air it. ads, by the way, <laughs> yes. They won't air it um, right. on, on some of the networks. Right. And so I think even that will change CBD, with time. Even for CBD products, although I'm starting to hear them in Massachusetts yeah. now. Yeah, and it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that changes. Yeah. Um, I, I tell you, I could sit here and talk with you forever. <laughs> I do want to have, ask one thing. Sure. If I don't ask this, I feel like I haven't done a decent job on the interview. As you know, in this movement, uh, trying to get banking, trying to move forward uh, with the descheduling, uh, legalization, decriminalization, I think everybody recognizes that the war on drugs was a failure and that we have in our prisons people who have been victimized by horrible cannabis laws. 
Mm -hmm. And there is the movement of expungement of some of these people. I mm -hmm. hear this, and I hear a lot of talk about it, and I hear a lot of politicians jumping on board with it. But I haven't seen a program, and this is what's going on in Massachusetts mm -hmm. right now, is they're trying to figure this out. Yeah. And, of course, the Control Commission would like it go to the private sector because the public sector doesn't want to deal with it. Where, where, what's the future of that? What's the future of the people that were busted with a joint in their pocket and have been in jail for 13 years? I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, unfortunately, it really comes down to the state that you live Each in. Each state. There are, there are some people who are in prison on federal charges related to cannabis. Mm -hmm. The majority of people who are sitting in jail on charges related to cannabis are there because of state law. Yep. And what's happened with some of these states... Um, Almost every legalization adult use victory mm -hmm. uh, happened in the ballot. Mm -hmm. And we have about 22 states that have decriminalized now. And yeah. we may have picked up a couple more at this point. Yeah. Um, and those states uh, do offer expungement in, in many of those cases. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you start with the ballot measure, people say, well, why are we legalizing it and not expunging at the same time right. for some states that that has to do with what the language can be included i know for example when the ballot measure for arizona was being drafted if they had added expungement into it um they it wouldn't have actually been able to go on the ballot because that would be considered more than one issue combined into a ballot measure gotcha uh you also had a time when people weren't so focused on the social justice aspect of this. Right. And so a lot of the early ones didn't include it, either because they couldn't or because it was too far or they didn't think the votes yep. would hold. And so some of these states are going back now and adding it. And in other cases, states are doing it before they legalize. And so it's an interesting combination right now, but most of that power is at the state level. Mm -hmm. and so And it will continue to be because that's where... The laws have been broken. Most states, though, realize now the, the logic of if you're doing this through your legislature and you don't have Ill issues about being on the ballot, that you have to include this. You can't have somebody sitting in jail for something that you're giving somebody else a license to do. Yeah. And, and that message is becoming louder and clearer. And so un unless there are restrictions where you can't put that issue in it, I think the majority of the bills you see moving forward are going to address that issue. And another thing that we've seen across the country recently is uh, DAs coming out and saying, I'm not going to prosecute these right. cases. That's happened in Massachusetts. Yeah, and we yeah. have, uh, and that's happened in Philadelphia and mm -hmm. a few other places. Mm -hmm. um, so there are ways that people are moving the needle right. on this. Yeah, small, uh, small steps. Small steps, absolutely. Small steps, big wins. Um, but it, it is critical because right now there are, there, there are literally people are sitting in jail, disproportionately people of color sitting in jail mm -hmm. for things that other people are making millions of dollars on. Right. And, and I think that's the hypocrisy a lot of people see, and they get frustrated when they look at the, uh, the fact that banking is the first thing to move. And to that, I would say, yes, that is incredibly frustrating, and, and yes, it is something that I understand why people who work on that issue would like to see that change. Mm -hmm. Uh, another thing people talk about is lack of diversity in the cannabis industry. Mm -hmm. And for SARBA, what we see as one of the benefits to banking is that 
right now, no one in the country, there's not a single lending institution in the country that is offering loans to start a new cannabis business. So you see in California, mm-hmm. example, they created all of these social equity programs. I'm sure similar programs are being looked at in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trying. Um, but the problem is, if you say we're going to give these awards to them, you have to figure out a way to give them capital. Right. And if the state isn't going to give them the capital, right. then we need to figure out another way for them to get it. And that's something else that's going to be happening in Congress right now, is looking at um, figuring out how we can get small business loans, um, despite the, the current scheduling of it, and, and something we'll be looking after after SafeBank takes place. i got to tell you, it, there's a lot of moving parts here. But the <laughs> first one is the one that you're very confident about. Yes. I, I am absolutely certain that we will pass the House with a very comfortable margin. Um, we would like to have as many Republicans on board as possible. Uh, that step does not concern me. How we actually get it to the president's desk is harder. Um, and even that, I shouldn't, I shouldn't get too happy. We were initially hoping to have safe on the floor before Memorial Day. Now we've reached the point in the year when everything starts to focus on appropriations. And so floor time is a little bit harder to get. Um, so we will have to... Before the end of 2019 is what Barney Frank said. Uh, to get it to his desk? I hope so. Okay. I think by the end of this Congress, yep. I think we can have banking done. Uh, but the other thing that I, and I started to say, one of the, the issues about public education it comes to funding, and another thing about funding in this movement in general is the, the sense of inevitability. Mm-hmm. People say well, all these states have it, and the public supports it, so we don't need to do anything. Mm-hmm. And that's not, that is something that we're starting to, our confidence can translate into um, with SAFE, is that if people say, oh, well, you have the votes, then we don't need to do anything. No, there's a long way from having the votes, getting it to the floor, and then moving it through the other chamber. And so while um, the progress this year has been extremely encouraging and, and, and really historic, at the same time, mm-hmm. we still need people to be calling their lawmakers and, and supporting organizations that are doing this work. Well, Becky Dansky, I am so happy to meet you, <laughs> and I'm so glad you are in the Me trenches too. working for this. Thank uh, you. You've got a friend up in Massachusetts now. Anytime <laughs> you want to feel what's going on up there, you give me a call. Sure. You just give me a call. You ever want to check in on banking? Don't ask me for Red Sox tickets. It's very <laughs> Revolutionary Clinics is just one of 49 medical cannabis dispensaries in Massachusetts, but there's a reason why it's one of the most popular. It's their patient-first philosophy. All day long, they teach, they educate, they communicate about this complicated plant called Cannabis Sativa. That's true. Whether you visit their Cambridge location in Fresh Pond at 110 Fawcett Street or at 67 Broadway in Somerville. Revolutionary Clinics, where the patient comes first. This podcast is produced by the Pro Cannabis Media Group out of Boston, Massachusetts, for the enjoyment and education of our audience. Any medical advice or opinions shared are not a reflection of the Pro Cannabis Media Management or any of the In the Weeds distributors, including CLNS Media and C Suite Network.